I love these little love notes. Hey, we've got a good crowd tonight. Thank the Lord. I, I'm tickled to death to see you folks. I hate to preach to no one. You know, just something about that when there's no one there, it just sort of makes you feel funny, I'll tell you. Well, we have our fourth uh, chalk drawing completed now for the week, and we'll have two more to go that'll be uh, on the board. This will be on the board tomorrow night. And then Friday night, hey, we get to give them all away uh, to the folks who've uh, not necessarily been working the hardest, because I've found a lot of times uh, the people who work the hardest don't get a thing. That, that Maybe that's going to discourage somebody. I hope not. But sometimes that happens, you know, people work hard, and, but it's just not quite enough. And then there's others that just sort of fall into it. They just have visitors and it all works out. But I, I trust that you'll keep on working now. Don't let this be a, a uh, you know, just let's make sure we uh, keep this thing going through Thursday and Friday night. And uh, normally, uh, as you well know, the uh, Thursday and Friday night uh, services, usually the attendance is always higher on those last two nights than any other night of the week. And so... Uh, let's just pack this place out on Thursday and Friday. Wouldn't that be great? I look forward to what the Lord's going to do. And uh, I look forward to the chalk drawings. Uh, all these chalk drawings that you're seeing uh, are, are new chalk drawings uh, that I've done here first. I did do, uh, in my last meeting, I did one with the church on it, similar to that. But it's not, uh, not the same, not the same church and not, not quite the same picture. So you're getting originals this week, and I hope they're a blessing to you. And those of you who get to take them home, I hope that uh, you won't just stick them out in the garage someplace. If that's what you're going to do, give it to somebody else that will hang it up because that's, uh, that's what you need to do. And then get a black light so that when your friends come over, you have a witnessing tool. You flip the black light on, and there'll always be a spiritual picture in the in the hidden effect, so that uh, uh, you can have a chance to witness to somebody. So that's uh, that's a good thing. Most of you here, or many of you, already have chalk drawings of mine at home. Let me see how many have uh, still. Ha- All right, I don't know why you keep coming back, <laughs> but. Uh, I try, I know why you come back. You come back because you're faithful. I appreciate that. I really do. And uh, All right, take your Bible and turn with me. Let's see, that's the wrong, wrong verses. We need to get over in, in the book of Luke. We're in the book of Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. Before I read the scripture, let me, let me talk you through the verses that we're going to be reading and kind of give you a, a mental image of what's taking place and maybe it'll help you see the, uh, what's, taking, what's happening in the verses we're getting ready to read. The time is 2,000 years ago, and uh, the town is Capernaum. The place is the uh, uh, ruler of the synagogue's home. His name is Jairus. And he's, uh, he's not there at the house. But his wife is, and there's some of the relatives that are there at the home, and, and, uh, and perhaps some friends. And whenever you approach the house, there'll be some folks outside, and they're sort of talking to one another in real quiet tones. When you walk through the door, you'll notice that the, the back bedroom... Uh, is lit up, and, and there's a few people back there. The mother is kneeling beside a bed, 
and the there's relatives on either side of her and around the bed, and they're talking quietly to one another. There's a little form in the bed. Um, It's not moving. Perhaps a little sweat upon the brow and and, uh, breathing heavily and and labored. And the mother has the little hand in her hands. And if you look real close, you'll see the furrowed brow and you'll also see her lips moving, though no words come out. This is her little girl. The little girl's only 12 years old. The doctors have already been there and, and they've gone. They've gone because they know that there's no hope. They've tried everything that they can try and there's no help for this little girl. Fearing the death of this little one, the father has left and went into town. There's some fellow named Jesus who's been roaming the countryside here in Yond, and he heard that he had just come across the lake and and uh, the Sea of Tiberias and had uh, just been over in Gadara, and the word has already spread that he cast demons out of the, the maniac of Gadara that everybody knew about. So here was a miracle worker. And even though at that very moment there was probably some Pharisees that were plotting together to put Jesus to death, yet this Pharisee, this ruler of the Jews, Jairus by name, is desperate. You know, all of us, at some time or another, face the same situation. Oh, it may not be a little girl, but I'm talking about this, this attitude of being desperate. The preacher just kind of mentioned it a little bit as we, we started here, and I was sort of amazed how the Lord seemed to be fitting this thing together. But desperation brings, brings to the head the most important things in your life. It's not until that one has laying on his deathbed that he finally realizes, hey, life does end. And there is something beyond the grave. Oh, we may not want to admit it at the moment, but there'll come a time, I believe, right before that individual blinks out into the next, into the next world, uh, the realization that there is another life. And how you live this life and what happens in this life has a very heavy, uh, what, what can you say, uh, what happens in the next life it depends on what happens in this life here. So we're talking about a felon named Jairus who, who is very desperate. Now let's read the scriptures. We're going to start in verse 40 of Luke chapter 8. The word of God says, And it came to pass... That when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come to his house. For he had one only daughter, about twelve years of age, and she lay a-dying. 
But as he went, the people thronged him. And a woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him and touched the border of his garment. And immediately her issue of blood staunched. And Jesus said, Who touched me? And when all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude throng thee and press thee, and sayest thou who touched me? And Jesus said, Somebody hath touched me. For I perceive that virtue, we talked about this the other night, virtue, a a dynamic power is going out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not Hid, she came trembling, and falling down before him, she declared unto him before all the people what for what cause she had touched him, and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, Daughter, be of good cheer, thy faith hath made thee whole, go in peace. And while he yet spake, there come, cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, Thy daughter is dead. Trouble not the master. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him, saying, Fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. When he came into the house, he suffered no man to go in, save Peter and James and John, and the father and the mother of the, of the maiden. And all wept and bewailed her. But he said, Weep not, she is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn, knowing that she was dead. And he, putting, he put them all out, and he took her by the hand, and he called, saying, Maid, arise. And her spirit came again, and she arose straightway. And he commanded to give her meat. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we... Look at this uh, amazing story and how thankful we are that you've recorded this in, in three of the four Gospels. And, and uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all of them have an account of this particular miracle. And I thank you, Lord, for it because it, it gives us some insight on different things that, that we face today here in this 2007 year and will no doubt be facing throughout our lifetime. So I pray that you would uh, help me as I preach, fill me with thy spirit, use me tonight to bring honor to thee, and bless the chalk drawings we show it in a little bit. In Christ's name, amen and amen. Man of desperation. He was a ruler of the synagogue, wealthy citizen. You've got to remember that this, this woman that had the issue of blood, she was poor, Remember? She was just a poor, desolate woman. But he was rich and a citizen. He was in charge of the public services. It was, it was he who, was, uh, who, who set the agenda in the synagogue. He said, you pray, and uh, you read the scripture, and you preach the sermon. He was the one that had to say he was the ruler of the synagogue. Normally, these people are, are uh, rather arrogant, as a matter of fact. Very proud, very proud of the fact that they are Pharisees, that they're Pharisees of the Pharisees. They're a ruler of the Jews. They, they have a, a position that, that uh, makes them sort of puff out. 
Jairus, you wouldn't think that when you read what took place here. But you've got to remember, this is, this is, this is Jairus. This is not Jairus the Pharisee here. This is Jairus, the desperate dad. You see, there's a whole lot of difference. Isn't it funny how we come out of ourselves when desperation hits us? Isn't it funny how we can be a certain way uh, for the whole world to see and have our own particular attitudes that perhaps people like or perhaps they don't like? But whenever desperation sets in and there's something that has, that has come into your life that brings you to the point of desperation, I'm talking about something that, that really, really has your attention, uh, boy, we come out of ourselves then and we become who we really are. We, we set the agenda as to what is the most important thing in our life. Jairus may have been a proud man, and I, I can't really honestly say he was. There's no, no indication of that, except the, the, the general attitude of these, these uh, Pharisees seemed to be one of, with a haughty attitude. But I see this fellow, and he, he's a little bit different now. Because he's the one that, uh, when he came to Jesus, immediately he fell upon his knees, and, and uh, he said in verse uh, 42... Uh, I'm sorry, in verse 41, Behold, there came a man named Jairus. He was a ruler of the Jews, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come to his house. Now, I want you to, I want you to get the picture now. His, wife, his, his daughter is dying. When he left the house, the, the doctors had already said, Nothing we can do about it. If things don't change, she's going to die. far as he was concerned, she was at the point of death when he left the house. But he comes to Jesus, and here's the guy that everybody's talking about. The Pharisees have already planned to kill him, and yet Jairus is, sees him as the only hope. Thank God for, the, for that time in an individual's life when they see Jesus as the only hope, because that's it. There is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There's none other name. He's it. The Hindus have thousands of gods. Did you see where the, there was a little baby born over in India with uh, four legs and four arms? Did you see that? Yeah, it's true. And many of the people begin to worship her because they, their god, one of their gods, have all these arms sticking out and legs sticking out. And so they begin to worship, but the parents had enough sense to take her to the doctor, and they've, they have now amputated the extra legs. And what had happened is they, they, there was twins in the womb, but the one apparently had died, and, a, and the living one assimilated uh, what was available there when it was in the womb, and that's the way it came out. But they were able to, you know, to manipulate. There's a lot of things that they still have to do, you know, to get everything just right. But... Uh, isn't that amazing? But the, the Hindu, as I say, they have thousands of gods. You can take any one of these religions and you find that, that they all have... But listen, Jesus is the only one. And that's exactly what you have to... You have to come to that grips if you're going to be saved. There must be a desperation. You must come to the, the conclusion that Jesus is your only hope. Other than that, you're not going to get saved. As long as you can hold out and say, I think I can, you know, I think I can manage it. I believe I can, you know, if you just somehow or another, you're holding on to the fact that you can do good or this or that, 
uh, you'll, you'll hold on to that. But listen, when, you, when your life comes down and, there's, and, and, and the next thing you know, you're in desperation, then, then things change a little bit. Well, this guy, this guy was very desperate. He only had one daughter, and she's at the point of death. If you can just think of the circumstances, the reason I, I, I introduced this message by telling the story is because somehow or another we read the scriptures, but we don't get into the story. We don't place ourselves in the, in, the, in the surroundings of the story, and so we never really grasp what it is. When, when I read the scriptures, when I read something like this, I, I close my eyes and I imagine myself uh, there 2,000 years ago. I have a good imagination. I can do that. And I think everybody, ought, you ought to get into the, the, the message and as you read the scriptures, let it speak to you. Let it take you right through from step to step because that's what he, he wants you to do. You see, if you're going to, to learn something from the scripture, the scripture has to be a part of you. That's why he says that we need to meditate upon the word of God. See, Not just hide it in our heart, but to meditate on it so that it becomes a part of us, so we can see. What, what, the, the, what it is that he wants us to, to glean out of, these, out of the lesson here. So here's this desperate man. He wants, he wants Jesus to come to his house now. Do you see the urgency, the desperation? He wants him to come now. Because his daughter's at the point of death, if he can get him there before she, she dies, why, he can, all he has to do is speak the word or lay his hand upon her or whatever it takes, and she'll come alive and she'll be alright. Not come alive, she'll just get well. If, if she can get him there, if he can get him there before she dies. So you can see the desperation. Did you, I mean, put yourself in that position. And now think of it this way. Here's Jesus, but Jairus is not the only guy around. And Jairus is not the only one that has a need. Jairus wants him to come immediately to his house to heal his daughter, but all at once the crowd has thronged him. And all at once there's a woman with an issue of blood that she's had for 12 years also. And so here, here she is, she's trying to get through the crowd, and yet uh, here's Jairus, and, and the desperation, I can just see it building in him. Why can't I get him to come? You know, and, and here's this woman, and he can't, you know, what's, what's he going to do? Can you see the desperation? Can you feel that, that uh, agony that must have been in his heart and his soul? But you see, God doesn't do things just to do them. God had a purpose. He had a reason to do what he did. I remember Mary and Martha, you know, they sent a message to Jesus. Tell Jesus to come. Lazarus is dying. Jesus didn't come. Remember that? Instead, he waited for three or four, four days, I believe it was, before he finally did come. And they just shook their head. They couldn't believe that he would, a friend, a close friend like wouldn't come immediately. But Jesus had a reason. 
You see, God always has reasons for these, these times of desperation are not just something that God, you know, just accidentally comes in. If you're one of those that believes that the accidents happen, then my, I feel sorry for you. You see, I am convinced that God, God in His sovereign grace, God in His omniscience, God in His desire to conform me to the image of His Son, Everything that comes into my life is not by accident, it is by plan. He's got it all figured out, what it's going to take, and he, he has laid all these circumstances up that is going to move me in the direction that I need to be going. And so it was with Jairus. Jairus was panicking because he couldn't get his attention uh, on his daughter. Instead, here's a woman that is with an issue of blood, and, and now he's touched, she's touched the hem of the garment, and Jesus is just standing there and saying, Who touched me? And, you know, can you see the frustration in his, in his heart? He must have said, Oh, good night. Okay, so she touched, you know, come on, you know, let's do something. But, uh, Jesus had, listen, listen, Jesus had a purpose. Because it was right in here somewhere that the messenger was coming. Oh, and he was going to tell him something that he wasn't going to like. Jairus, no need to bother the master anymore. She's dead. She's already died. to hear those comforting words that Jesus spoke to him. Right at that point of time, right when those words hit him in the face, the full force, the reality of, of the death of his child, the smote him and would have brought him to his knees, we hear this. And he said to her, this is, he's, Jesus is speaking to the woman who had just been healed. Daughter, be of good cheer, be of good, uh, good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. And while he spake, yet spake, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, uh, of the synagogue's house, saying to him, Thy daughter is dead. Trouble not the master. You see what had taken place? As soon as the, the healing had taken place of the woman, then the message comes that devastates Jairus, and then all at once he hears these words. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, Fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. What did Jairus just, just witness? He had just witnessed the healing, the miraculous healing of this woman that had an issue of blood for 12 years. You know, I wonder if, if Jairus realized that, that at the very time that this woman had, had, the, had, a, 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 had gotten this issue of blood 12 years ago, that at that same time, maybe a couple of miles away, there was a little girl who was born at that very moment. I wonder if there was, I mean, there's a play on, on numbers here in the scriptures, and we aren't told if they're connected at all, but I just wonder if somehow or another all this you know, plays out in here so that Jairus understands that these two events are connected. 
He needed faith at this particular moment in his life. Remember who he is. He's the Pharisee who have been planning, perhaps planning with the rest of them to put Jesus to death because they thought he was an upstart. But somehow or another, Jesus is the only hope, isn't it? Sometimes that's the way it is. Sometimes when we think that there's no other, no, no answer or no solution to our problem, all at once we're thrown in the, into the direction we have to trust Jesus. And that's the way it is with salvation. You've got to come to that conclusion. Listen, it doesn't make any difference. You can try all your religion that you want, but it'll come right down to one thing. You'll be thrust into the face of the fact that Jesus is the only way to get saved. You're going to run into times when desperation overwhelms you. There's going to be times in your life and my life, uh, if we live long enough, things happen to us. Things happen to our family. Things happen to, to those that, that are the closest and most precious to us, just like Jairus did. And when those things happen, I, we've got to remember that Jesus has a plan. And Jesus has a purpose. And Jesus is pleased to carry out that plan and purpose in your life. And we've got to learn to trust him. And isn't that exactly what he's telling Jairus to do? He said, listen, just believe. Just believe. Hey, take a lot of faith. This story, these two stories together have always been a blessing to me. Because it helps us. For my God... So supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. That's a blessed promise. We just need to assimilate the, the truth of that. So we see the, this man of desperation. And we see also how, the, uh, uh, how this interruption was intentional how that it was intentional in that Jesus had to bring his attention to the fact that he is a miracle-working God, that he's able to meet every need that he has. You see, many of us live our life in the sunshine. But there's a lot of people out there that are living their life in the darkness. And in the dungeon, in the hard places, it's not all big smiles and and uh, good things to some people. To some people, it just it's tough. It's tough to go to work. It's tough to be uh, in the condition, in the situation, perhaps physically that they're in. It's just tough. It's just some people. Uh, their lives just seem to be just one tragedy after another. Just seems to, uh, uh, you know, to almost destroy him. And that's what Jairus had to see. He had to see a woman here who, had, for twelve years, has been suffering, who is so poor and destitute that she has nothing. He'd been living in the sunshine all these years. He'd been rich and. And he was a ruler of the synagogue. He, was a, he had a position, 
you know, that he could display before everyone. He could just sort of puff his chest out and say, look who I am. But this poor little old woman that had just been healed of the issue of blood, she was just a poor little emaciated woman that has, had, has lived in the darkness all these years when he had lived in the sunshine. He needed to see the other side. How many people do we come in contact every day that are living in the dark side, living in the, in the, in the, the hard places? Many of us are living in the good places, in the, in the good times, in the sunshine. And we just sort of take for granted. Everybody's living in the sunshine, but it's not that way out there. Sometimes we need to go back and sit where they sit. And that's exactly what Jesus was doing with Jairus. He was bringing him in to where he could see the condition, the situation of this poor old lady that had just been, it was all, it was basically it's for Jairus to say, sure, she benefited from it, but Jairus had to see her and see her condition and how that in spite of who she was, Jesus met her need. And he's willing to meet your need too. Well, so Jairus, Jairus realizes now that, he's, that God did it for sure. God interrupts our lives to show us one uh, who is living in darkness while we're living in the sunshine. Back in Isaiah 55, it says this in verses 8 and 9. That is if I can find it here. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are my ways, uh, your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Well, how's that tie in here? It just, it just simply means that, that all this here has taken place, and it just seems like a jumble. It just seems like it's uh, you know, not connected at all. And yet, you see, uh, God's ways are not our ways. He does things different, but he accomplishes his purpose through it all. And we just need to learn to trust him. Jairus was, uh, was able to witness this miracle. He needed that, that witness in order to carry on and to have the faith to believe that Jesus could do something with his daughter. When we go to verse 48 and uh, through 50, it says this. I'm over, I'm in the wrong book here. We just read that. And he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace. And while he yet spake, there cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, Thy daughter is dead. Trouble not the master. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him, saying, Fear not. Believe only, and she shall be made whole. And when he came into the house, he suffered no man to go in, save Peter, James, and John, and the father and the mother of the maiden. And all wept and bewailed her. But he said, weep not, she's not dead, but sleepeth. You know, I, I read that verse 53 where it says, and they laughed him to scorn and knowing that she was dead. And I thought to myself, what a place to laugh. 
I guess it was just it was just the 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 realization that that there's no breath in this little one anymore. There's no heartbeat. There she lays uh, stretched out in death. And death is so final, isn't it? But when Jesus said she's just sleeping, uh, I guess it just, you know, they just couldn't hold it back. They had to chuckle themselves. I can't believe that you said that. She's dead. And I noticed that Jesus just put them all out. He said, all right, now... Telethi kumai. Maiden, arise. He took her by the hand and lifted her off of the bed and told him to give her some meat. A miracle was complete. He had done exactly what he said he would do. You know, if we don't get anything else out of the message tonight, we need to get that one thing. God's promises are sure. What he says he'll do, he will do. In your life, in your daily life, What he says he'll do, he'll do. He will accomplish it. We just have to learn to trust him. You may be here tonight and you're not saved. He promises to save you if you'll come to him. He says as many uh, as call upon my name, uh, he'll save them. As many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. He says, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. He says he'll save if you'll just simply come and you can believe him. You can believe him. And once you believe and trust him, you'll never be the same. But you know, it doesn't stop there. After we've been born again by the Spirit of God, his, his whole life now for the believer is to keep working in your life Keep working in your life. He's working on you. He's the potter with the vessel. And his, his miraculous hands are shaping your destiny. His miraculous hands is shaping your life. And what he's trying to do is to mold you, as we learned last night in the message, into the image of God's Son. If you're here tonight and you're not saved, then the first thing you need to do is trust the Lord If you are saved, then it's time for you to start trusting because he will supply every need according to his riches in glory. Are you saved tonight? If we can have the lights out, I'll show this chalk drawing.